0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. Another stacked weekend of boxing is ahead of us here. I'm going to go ahead and break into that, plus a little bit of news for an updates for you, but let me get the particulars out of the way. Combattalkradio.net's the site. Combattalkradio currently is only on YouTube. However, I have an announcement about that. It's coming here in a second. If you have any questions about what we're doing, comments, feedback, Leave it on any of our videos on YouTube or leave it at Combat Talk Radio. We want to hear from you. We want that smoke. Because we want to try to improve and we want to develop and build, we now have passed. I haven't done the update appreciation video yet because I want to let it marinate because sometimes you get ads and removes, and I want to marinate, but we hit 600 subscribers recently, and I appreciate everybody that's new to the show. Keep doing what I'm doing as long as I see growth. So now the big picture here, internal. I have a plan now to move, not move, but copy essentially the show into a traditional podcast. So now what this means for you is if you're one of those that wants to listen on the go, if you notice sometimes I'll do coverage on different fights and you may not be near a computer or maybe you're at work or maybe you're out driving or something else, you kind of want to hear what's going on. It'll now actually be a traditional podcast. So because it already has a brand, because it already has a recognition, because I already know what it is, I don't have to do very much work. The new host I'm going to be setting up on already has a function where I can upload videos straight to it like I do on YouTube. It'll parse the audio and create the podcast for me. So now this means that I'll be able to expand the subscriber footprint, get more people on the deck. Hopefully we can grow this. That's my plan. I'm coming up from behind. There's a lot of well-established people out there. We're doing boxing just like myself. Unfortunately, a lot of them are very biased towards one fighter or one race, creed, color, him, or her, which I'm not. I like to cover it total. I'm a boxing fan, throwback type fan. So that's what's happening. I'm going to be working on building that into its own podcast. Because at this point, there's no downside, really. I just have to set up the account and then go in, upload the, it'll be a go forward type thing. And then I have to go retroactive to older episodes, build it so it'll take some time. But then the plan is to do that starting with this weekend's events. So starting pretty much tomorrow. I've got a lot of tinkering to do here as well as Crypto Talk Radio or other podcasts to get all this stuff set up on the new host. And then I'll have three podcasts on that host, which is pretty awesome, pretty excited. This will be pretty interesting. And then also the other internal news bit, we we have created, rather, our new membership structure. So far, I don't know that there's any interest in it, but I'm letting you know that it's available and the way that it'll work at a high level. There are multiple tiers of the membership. Once I launch this, you'll be able to access it from our main site. So this isn't Combat Talk Radio, but we have a brand site. And that link will be made available at all of our points. In case you want to check out the membership, the membership helps support the show. But you get very cool perks as along with it. Some of the perks don't apply on the combat side as of yet. So I have to rethink what the perks need to be for Combat Talk Radio versus the other ones. As it stands... I'm going to be just letting you know what the perks are going to be. Then I have to think about what perks I would offer, because unfortunately, combat does not have the same traffic level as combat. So it didn't make any sense to build too much. But there will be some stuff coming. Let's go ahead and get into our fights this weekend. Like I said, we got some exciting fights, exciting fights. Top billing is, of course, Katie Taylor fighting Amanda Serrano. This is a unification fight. I'm pretty sure it is. And the exciting thing about this one is, of course, these have been built, these two, have been built strong. I'm leaning towards Amanda Serrano on this one, having followed her career. Also, it feels like Katie Taylor has lost something with her Persone fight. Seems like confidence has been impacted. When she fought Persone the first time, and she barely got out of that, people argue that she should have lost that fight. She doesn't have the same level of confidence that she once had. The skill's still there. But we also notice that when she goes to war, she seems to suffer. And if you have anybody who can take care of Taylor in a trench it's going to be Amanda Serrano so this is an exciting fight even if you don't watch women's women's fighting I'm telling you right now that this one's going to stand out in your mind because these are two elite boxers they know how to box they're not just swinging for the fences of these two the other bit of news on these two they're going to be apparently escorted by some WWE folks they created two teams on the WWE because the WWE is going to be doing some co-promotion because of course the whole women's movement in WWE which was garbage but that whole movement they're trying to align that with this fight because this fight is the first women's fight to headline at Madison Square Garden so this it's making history too so the WWE jumped on to try to help the promotional get more eyes on it because it is a signature fight I think it's good promotion I just I think it's a little bit of pandering because of course the whole women's revolution in WWE I think was garbage When the WWE had a women's only pay-per-view, it tanked. Nobody watched it because it's force-fed. You're forcing it down people's throat. Here, you have other fights that are happening on the card. These other fights are what's ultimately supporting the card. So if you understand the business of boxing, you've got to have a solid undercard in order to support the main event. You can't just bank on the main event being all it is because you can't know. If you go back to Mayweather Pacquiao, though, Mayweather-Pacquiao did not have that good of an undercar, but it didn't need it because you're dealing with Mayweather and Pacquiao, right? But if you look at Crawford and Porter, Crawford and Porter was ultimately supported by its undercar because we didn't know what we were going to get with the main event. You assume Crawford is this great fighter, but he's being tested right now, and then you know Porter's solid, but he'd been on the decline, so you don't know what to expect, and so you you need the undercar to kind of help you. And arguably the undercar wasn't fantastic there either. Same with Rocha and Cobbs. Rocha and Cobbs, Arguably had a pretty decent undercard and then the main event was stellar. So in this fight with Taylor and Serrano, this is not to dismiss either lady. The point is when you have something like this, the fans are not going to by large dial in unless you got a really good undercard to support it. And this one happens too. So any promoters that are watching this need to understand if you're going to do this good, but you're going to need to stack the undercard because they're not going to be able to support it on their own. Now, this one's being supported also by Jake Paul. Jake Paul has an audience, so he brings his audience at least partially to the table because the weird thing, and I know this will be hard for people to wrap their head around, Jake Paul is actually the promoter of Amanda Serrano now. And so in this fight, he's helping to co-promote along with Eddie Hearn, who promotes Katie Taylor. So if you're trying to see where Jake Paul goes in his career and the fact that he's serious, because it seems like he's serious about the fight game. All the people that trash him. He seems like he's serious about the fight game. So that's also playing in. He's got an audience he's bringing in. The WWE's got an audience they're bringing in. The UK fans are going to dial in. This is happening on zone. So you got any zone subscribers, they're automatically going to dial in. So this will be good to measure whether or not this is a sustainable model. Unfortunately, I said in the previous episode, you are seeing a rise of some of the women's fighters, and so that's good. Because it gives them more exposure to hopefully, but I don't think you're going to get back to the glory days of it. Because they remain evading like crazy, and then it declined, and then now people like Savannah, uh, Marshall, uh, Dzerne, um, Cruz Desern and Taylor Serrano. All of these went Hardy, right? All these ones that we see that are that are that have been built correctly. Now we can kind of look and say, okay, there's something here. Let's start trying to play with this. My only point is you're still going to need solid undercards to get people to dial in. And they were brilliant on this one. And I'm going to get to, again, I gave my prediction on the top because I think it's easy to tell the story. Taylor, Katie Taylor is a solid boxer. She's a very solid boxer. Could she outbox Amanda Serrano? Absolutely. I'm, could she get a robbery? I say no, because it's happening in us, <laughs> but I, I just, in my heart of hearts, I don't see any world where Amanda Serrano does not beat Katie Taylor. Amanda Serrano is one of the, she's like excellence in, in skill from my eyes. Can get it wrong? I could. I just see that Serrano was going to be too much for Taylor in the way she fights It based on the fact that Taylor seems to have lost confidence. She doesn't have the same confidence she once had from my eyes. She doesn't fight with same confidence in there. It seems like, She's tentative, more tentative than she used to be, and she's more cautious about eating a shot and getting drawn into wars. That could be her trainer. Maybe somebody's telling her to back off and just box smart. The problem is you can box smart all you care to, but when you're in skill for skill against somebody against Amanda Serrano, they ain't going to work. Like to me, Taylor's going to have to go to war with Amanda Serrano in order to send the message to the judges that she's better. That's the key. I see that Serrano's going to be too much in terms of convincing the judges that she's better. And I think Taylor's going to get drawn into something. And if she gets drawn into something, she's not getting out of it from my eyes. That's how I'm going to call that one. Although it's a very exciting, exciting fight. I love that fight. I love the fight between these two. That's tomorrow, Madison Square Garden. On the undercard, the return of Jesse Vargas. Of course, he was supposed to return before. And then he got, he was out. I believe it was COVID, but he was out. He's now coming back, and he's fighting Liam Smith. I talked about this on a previous one. This one is with two guys that have kind of been slight decline, not decline in terms of skill or age, but decline in terms of losses, wins and losses. Arguably, their records are pretty much pair for pair. I think the differentiator in this one, Jesse Vargas, from my eyes, he's one of those that's, that's reliable, but he's never able to win the big one. He has, but I'm saying now. He's, he's having a harder time winning the big one. He's kind of at that C tier right now where certain guys are not going to get past him that are going to come up. But anybody that's above that is going to beat him. I think this fight goes to a decision. Vargas and Smith is what my gut tells me. I think it goes to a decision. I think Liam Smith gets his hand raised. And people are like, what, are you crazy? It's because, again, what I saw of Vargas, it feels like he's just been declining. Remember, Vargas, he dropped four rounds to Adrian Broner. He dropped four rounds to Manny Pacquiao. These are top of the level in terms of skill, right? But outside of those two, if you look at performances, there's not really been anybody that's, there's not been anybody that's, that's struggled, let's say this, with Jesse Vargas. Does that make sense? Like, it seems like he does not, it's not killer instinct, because he does try to go for to get you out of there. It just he doesn't seem to be able to do it. And I don't, again, don't know if that's his trainer trying to adjust what he's going on or what the deal is with him. But it feels like that there's been some decline. And I don't know where that's coming from. Let's break down what we're talking about here. He went to a draw with Delorme. Delorme, he's been on a steep, like Delorme is is the definition of decline. So to go to a draw with him feels wrong to me. I, I And that's not... Banging on DeLorme, it's just, he's, he's been in the game a long time. And I just felt like that should not have gone to a draw, regardless of why. The point is, I felt like Vargas should have easily been able to take care of DeLorme, and he couldn't. He took care of Humberto Soto, but Soto, he was so old by the time they fought. Like, Soto is one of those guys, and I, I love Soto, have loved him for years. For the, by the time he got Soto in the ring, Soto was banging on him. Soto was getting some good success, and I was surprised. And obviously, there's experience. And yes, Vargas got the knockout. But the point is, I felt like that fight should have been much more clear for Jesse Vargas than it was prior to the knockout, if that makes any sense. When he fought Mikey, I said that Vargas was the bigger guy, and he was not walking Mikey down. He initially had some success. Mikey drops him, and then Vargas fought tentative. I'm like, why are you doing this? You're the bigger fucking guy. That one told me there's something not right. Like when I look at Jesse Vargas fight, it feels like he just doesn't, either he doesn't turn it up or he, when he eats a good shot, he goes tentative. And then the fights like lost after that, or the other fighter has to make a critical mistake and then he capitalized on it. But you can't do that when you're starting to go up in the, in the levels. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm saying I feel like something's not there with Jesse Vargas. That's not to say that he could not just absolutely pull it out and dominate Liam Smith. I just don't personally see it. When I look at Liam Smith's record, Liam Smith had the loss to Kerbinoff. The thing with Kerbinoff is Kirbanov is a solid tier fighter that was willing to go in there and do what he needed to do to bang it out. And Liam Smith, to his credit has always gotten decisive or at least recently decisive outcomes. It's, it's a stoppage. It's a unanimous, you know what I mean? So it feels like he's the more mentally focused fighter. What really put me over on Liam Smith as a fighter was him being able to stop Sam Eggington. And you hopefully heard my Lifeblood of Boxing series on him and how I think of him. I think Eggington is one of, those, one of those test fighters. And if you can get past that test the way that Smith did, I think that that's telling. So... I feel, in my opinion, Liam Smith pulls this out by decision over over the fight. I don't see a stoppage. It feels like it's going to be a decision, unanimous decision over Jesse Vargas. If it is, I would like to see Jesse Vargas retire for his own good. Because, again, it feels like something's really off with him, and I don't know if that's true or what that is. But it feels like something might be very well off with him. Also in the undercard, supporting rather the undercard, uh, you got Caliafai. He's making his return. Kalia is going to be sorry, Galalifai, not Calify Galaliafai. He's fighting a guy, Cartagena. Miguel Cartagena. I don't know anything about Miguel Cartagena. I know Galalia Fai, he's making his debut, but he started late. Um, people had seen him prior to him starting in the in the pro. Uh, they had seen him and said, okay, there's some. we need to watch this guy. He could be something. He could be the next something. Problem is he's a little bit older by the time he's starting, and we're seeing this more and more. We're seeing this that there's a little bit more going on uh, where they're starting a little bit later. Uh, Cartagena, he's been a pro for quite a long time, not a significant long time, but quite a long time. And the, the thing is, Cartagena, from an experienced perspective, should blow this guy out. But something tells me, just based on what I did see of Galal Yafai, something tells me that Yafai is going to get a spectacular type of win. And if, you, if I'm right, it would basically just be kind of similar to what they did with um, uh, Young Zhu, Tim Zhu. He comes out of nowhere, and then he's blitzing guys and taking them out. I think that's what we're going to see with Galal Yafai. The only thing that concerns me about him is him having started, literally, this is his debut fight in the pros. So that's the only concern I would have is, okay, I don't really know <laughs> if that's if that's telling, but from what I did see of Yafai, I think he's going to come out and he's going to make a statement at least uh, that he's here and that he's not going anywhere. Uh, Franchon Cruz Desern will be facing uh, Ellen Cedarus Cedrus. On the undercard, so it's another it's another women's fight. Cruz Desern, if you don't know who that is, if you watched the other fight she had, the most memorable moment from her was when she was in the in the corner and they yanked her weave off, and Snoop Dogg <laughs> called it out. Um, Desern is she's up there in age. She hasn't fought a lot. Um, she doesn't have a lot of you know fights, and she's somewhat older, slightly older. Cedarus uh, is, I believe, Cedarus might be making her debut. If she's not making her debut, um, she hasn't had a lot of fights either. Um, she hasn't been doing it a long time. I know that much. I think Cedarus is about to come in and make a statement. I give her the lean in my from my eyes. I give her the lean. This fight not, might not even last that long. To be honest, um, it feels like Cedarus is going to want to make a, a strong statement tonight because of the platform. That's my gut speaking, I have no evidence, but I do know that Center has pretty much every advantage you can think of over Desern. This is at super middleweight. And so if there is somebody moving forward on this one and it doesn't go to a draw, then this person would be in the mix with people like Savannah Marshall, potentially, uh, or Clarissa Shields. And then we would have to see uh, where we go next on this. So this'll be a, I don't know if this'll be an exciting fight to watch. It feels like it's not going to last long. This is my gut speaking, and I don't know it's going to entertain too much. As far as I know, those are the fights that we got. There could be some smaller fights happening on the undercard that I'm not aware of, but those are the fights that I'm at least aware of uh, that are happening on tonight. So the big one, I think, is going to be Jesse Vargas because he has a strong fan base. Liam Smith has a strong fan base. Uh, Galalia Fai, just because he's debuting, take a look at him. I think he's going to be a standout. From what I can tell, and then of course the co-promote with WWE and Taylor and Serrano is going to get some eyes on the prize. So definitely check out this week's fight uh, set. I think it's going to be exciting. I think you're going to be entertained at least with two of the fights. <laughs> uh, I don't know about all of them, but at least two of the fights, I think you're going to be definitely uh, excited with what you see. And I think it's worth uh, what's what's happening here uh, this, this uh, weekend. On the other channel, this is ESPN. So that was all zone. On ESPN, you've got the unification fight for... And it's a unification just because there's a vacant title at, at stake. But Oscar Valdez, he's going to be fighting Shakur Stevenson. Super featherweight action. WBC and WBO are both on the line. And then the weird thing on this fight is the WBC is a super featherweight title. The WBO is a junior lightweight title. <laughs> Whatever. And then the ring uh that's vacant right now junior lightweight is on the line for this one so the winner of this one is going to be considered lineal champion i know some people don't like that but that's what it is now the interesting thing about that is because it's junior lightweight whoever wins this fight has a pretty good chance of being able to move up and fight whoever's going to be a lightweight and of course you know that one's hot and heavy so this is a this is a fight to watch this card's going to be very interesting to see valdez and stevenson I don't have information on its undercard. I know it's on ESPN+, Plus, but I don't have information on its undercard that I can see. And I don't know that it matters too much, but the obviously that's going to be one of the big fights, and they probably don't have that much of a good undercard because it's top rank. Top rank seems to struggle with with building the uh, undercard like you might think. Of course, Oscar Valdez has been partnered up with Canelo Alvarez, so he suspect that's going to try to help him out. And Shakur Stevenson. Both guys are promoted by top ranks, so there was no promotional deals, but sh- uh, you know issues, but Shakur Stevenson believes that this is going to be his come-out fight, that this is going to send him over the edge and make him a superstar, and I would agree with that, simply because Oscar Valdez had been pushed. I mean, he had been hyped to some degree, too, and he, he's a solid fighter. I just think that I believe Shakur Stevenson's going to have too much for him. I believe Shakur is going to completely outbox him. I could be wrong, and he could get put in trouble. He's been in trouble before, Shakur. So it's possible Valdez puts him in some trouble. I do think that there's too much respect between the two, and that's why I think that Valdez gets outboxed because Valdez had a hard time against Kaseki out uh, prior, in the fight prior before the PED issues. So I think Shakur is going to just completely outbox the dude. I could get it way wrong. Uh, that's happening at the Grand in Vegas. If you're local to Vegas, it's at the Grand happening tomorrow uh, at 7 p.m., And again, if you're not local, then you can catch it on ESPN+. And I think it's also on Sky Sports that that one's happening. This one's going to take some of the shine, I believe, off of Taylor Serrano just because of the guys involved. Valdez has a huge fan base. Shakur, not so much. (laughs) Shakur fancies himself a star. He's not really. Valdez is even the A-side in this fight. So it'll be worth watching it, though. It'll be worth definitely seeing where both guys are at. They're both undefeated. So you're going to hopefully get an outcome other than a draw. That will tell you where we go next with the lightweight action. Now, let's go ahead and get into just some more quick updates. Now, the, the big thing that I think was on people's mind uh, running around, Srisaket Sor Vijay, he's going to be fighting Jesse Bam Rodriguez. I mentioned that on the fight updates. Uh, this, I got to tell you, that's an exciting fight because we got to see where Bam Rodriguez is as a fighter. He's currently mid, mid-level ranked. But we want to see where he is. If he's really legit like we think he is or he's not, that one's going to be worth the price of admission, I think. But the big picture in the in the fight game now is we're starting to see that there's less big fights that are being booked. We're seeing other fights that are getting booked that wouldn't have been before. So what I'm saying is unifications. We're seeing more unifications happen. We're seeing more champions fighting each other. But what we're not seeing are the under guys fighting each other. So you're talking like the Andrade's of the world, not stepping up to fight somebody that's not really a champion, but would help build a name. We saw this with Crawford. Like, why wouldn't Andrade, as an example, if he's fighting, let's say at 160, fight Golovkin? Why wouldn't Golovkin fight Andrade? You know, there's these levels of fighter that they're just kind of waiting for the Canelo payday or waiting for the Spence payday or waiting um, just recently. uh, Going back on social media, Uh, I forget who it was, but there was a fighter and he was saying, you know, you're just waiting on the, oh, it's Conor Ben saying, you know, you're just, with Broner and everybody else, you're just trying to get a payday out of me. And that's what we're seeing with the lower tiers of the guys and gals. But the champions are fighting each other. So it's good the champions are fighting each other, but we certainly should want everybody to fight each other. And I'm not sure why that's not happening. Don't have that answer. Uh, The other thing is later uh, apparently it's official that Luis Ortiz is going to be fighting Andy Ruiz uh in August out in Los Angeles so if you're a fan of either guy or both guys and there's a lot of fat in that ring but if you're a fan of these guys then that's a fight worth watching uh that's going to be coming up and we're we're it seems like they're steadily signing some better fights but we're still not seeing the under level guys fighting each other we also don't have a story about Uh, what Tyson Fury's true intent is he said he's going to retire we don't really have a solid answer if he's going to do that or not we don't know where Wilder is and if he's going to come back I still say he should come back and baptize Big Baby Miller we don't know if that's going to happen we don't know very much about a lot of these guys and so there's a lull that's happening we're seeing good fights but there's a lull compared to what we had in prior uh, years so hopefully that all resolves anyhow that's all I got for you guys here I will check back in after I see some of these fight outcomes and just provide my thoughts. Like I said, I think Serrano deals with Taylor. Not with ease, but I think she deals with Taylor. I feel like Stevenson completely outboxes Oscar Valdez. That's my gut. And I think Liam Smith washes Jesse Vargas. That's my gut speaking. The other fights, I think I'll watch them, but I'm not sure that they're going to move the needle uh, for very much. But I do know the future looks somewhat bright just in terms of, you know, like undefeated fighters and, and that kind of stuff happening, you know, like uh, the Charlotte Castaño unification that's going to be happening in May. Uh, the return of Rovic, that's going to happen in May as well. He's fighting Li Zhang. I don't know if the exhibition with Mayweather excites anybody, but it's happening out there. Cole, he's coming back. Tony Yoke is coming back, so we're in May. This is all May, so there's a lot of stuff that's coming. Just, again, we're still not seeing some of these guys whose names we keep seeing, like an Andre actually step up and fight some of these other guys that are available and out there, like a Golovkin, for example. And David Benavides, of course, and, you know, the return of bum Lane guy I talked about last week's and that kind of stuff where they're not fighting the, you know, kind of this untested tier together. <laughs> they're all untested. Andre's untested, you know, and so who knows? Anyway, I'll check in with you guys after the fights this weekend.